Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with life coach Cindy Chavez, and this is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today, and we're especially pleased that uh, we have a special guest joining us today who is uh, uh, an interesting overlap between business and relationships. His name is Michael Leonard, and he is a small business advisor and a legal expert and uh, has been applying the concept of building a business using the, the uh, plan of building relationships toward that means. So we figured that might make a pretty interesting topic of conversation today. Monique Scott, unfortunately, is feeling a little under the weather, so she won't be joining us today. But uh, mm-hmm. Cindy is here. And Cindy, you're looking like you're not, you're looking like you're over the weather. You're looking really good today. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, it is Bad weather here outside, but sunshine in the house. So yeah, we're all, we're all good today. Okay. Okay. Well, we know what kind of weather you get down there. So we're going to just uh, hope and pray that you, you're able to maintain the connectivity today. <laughs> yeah. We have had a show or two where it's storming outside and it got darker and darker and darker. Mm. Leave. Yeah, that has happened. Yep. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Nah, it's not going to happen today. And, uh, Michael, you are actually from my neck of the woods. I grew up in, uh, upstate New York in Schenectady. You live in Rensselaer, which is like 20, 25 miles away from where I grew up. So when I saw that, I thought, oh, well, that's cool. That's another link going on right there. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Oh, glad to have you here. And like I said, um, in the intro, I was very interested to see that you had emphasized building your business Based on relationships. In fact, you were telling us just before we started the show today that it's something you've only been doing uh, recently, last year or two, that you started doing it. But I was kind of getting the impression from the way you were talking that it's working out already, which doesn't surprise us a whole lot. But nevertheless, I, I think it's fascinating. Tell us about your experience there. Yes, uh, actually, uh, it, it has been working. Um, of course, everybody would like it to work faster than it usually does, but uh, patience is <laughs> Is always the best virtue, mm. uh, and um, I think as time goes on, uh, it will actually bear more and more fruit. Um, so I'm really excited uh, about what I'm doing, and what I'm really excited about is to be able to do cross referrals, is to refer people within my network uh, to each other, uh, so that it can help and benefit uh, each other uh, to be successful as well. That's really good. What got you started doing this? What? Why did you take this particular tack? Well, the, what I usually do is relationship building anyway, um, on an individual uh, basis. So I decided to take a part of, um, the business, which is our business end of it and start marketing our services to small businesses. So mm-hmm. once I took that end, then networking uh, to me seemed like really the way to go, uh, because it's, it's really a win-win situation. Uh, because the more people that you can help, um, the more people that can help you. And so I'm out there helping helping people as, as much as I can. And uh, in return, um, they get to spread the word about me as well. So ev- everybody wins. It's kind of the old-fashioned, old-school way to do it. I mean, these days people are used to whatever uh, relationship building they're doing, they're doing it online and it's like Cindy and I were talking about before you connected in. It's all 10 second connections. I mean, we're not talking in depth relationships, which is, 
I mean, it has its place, certainly, but it's not really a way to build a business relationship or any other kind of relationship with any level of depth. So I'm, I, I congratulate you on doing the old school way, the way of actually building relationships in a big way, in a way that, that's more long lasting than 10 seconds. <laughs> yes, yes. And what's really great about uh, what's happened now, not that the pandemic is, is good by any means, but I think one of the big benefits of this is the fact that people are using Zoom or um, Google Meetings or, or whatever it is as platforms to meet. And what this has actually been able to do is expand people's territories. Now, I've always been able to market across uh, the United States and Canada, but now it seems to be a lot easier for me to do that um, in a business relationship way as, as well as individual ways by, by using Zoom. And I think that's a really great way to you know, see people, talk to them, you know, meet them face on face. It seems a little bit more personal than, than talking on the phone. Um, so I, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. And Cindy, of course, you uh, deal regularly with relationships because that's part of your, your practice as a coach, as a life coach. Um, I don't, I, I don't think I, I have asked you this recently. I can't remember what your answer would have been. Um, how much do you deal with people in terms of business relationships? I know we talk about relationships with just about everything in life, but how much actually do you deal with business relationships in your coaching? Well, um, you know, every client I have is a business relationship with me, right? Okay. That's true. And then, um, I do coach people that have their own businesses and although Coaching around business isn't uh, my main forte. I I do it occasionally, and coaching around relationships is everything because everything's a relationship. We have a relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, our relationship with our business, with money, with our community. It's always a relationship, and I appreciated that um, that you were saying. Uh, talking about a network and that if you're people that you work with, that you can refer to people in your network, you know, it's like so many times people have an idea that they're going to meet someone and maybe that person will be their next client, or maybe that person will be the, the love of their life, or maybe that person will be, you know, something to them. When, when we recognize that when we meet in person, we're not just connecting to them. We're connecting to their entire circle of influence, their family, their business, their clients, their friends. It's like a lot. And so when we can look at it that way and look at also, you said, uh, Michael, about helping everyone, you know, helping as many people as you can help. Um, when you are looking at it in that perspective as as being much, much bigger than just me connecting with you, but it's me connecting with you who are connected to all these other people, it can really shift your perspective with business, not just business with all kinds of things, but specifically in business, people want to work with someone that they trust, someone that they feel safe with. And oftentimes if you're not that person and you have a referral for them, then they trust that. So relationship building takes time. It doesn't happen in 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> it, it happens over lots of 10 seconds sometimes, right? Lots yes, that's of right. Seconds, right. I mean, sometimes I, I have, as a matter of fact, today, I got two emails today. And I just answered them right before the show. One of them was from a client that I haven't talked to and haven't coached in 
I don't know, a couple of years probably. And the other one was someone that's been maybe two months since I've heard from them. They both just reached out and said, I'm thinking about you and I want to say a big hello and I hope you're doing well. That's it. Why do they do that? Because I have built relationships with these people and yeah. we care about each other, right? <laughs> right. And we're online. They are not people that I've met in person. Um, mm-hmm. but, and they may be 10 second connections, but there are hundreds of 10 second connections that happen yeah. over and over. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that sounds like, uh, what you are honing in on, Michael, when you, uh, decide you're going to do the relationship building. You're, you're honing in on the, the thing that Cindy is talking about where it's going to produce a wide variety of different kinds of relationship situations. You never really know which one's going to be playing out in your particular case. Exactly. Exactly. And it's always interesting, uh, for me to learn about other people's experiences and what they're doing. And, uh, it just, uh, makes it a lot easier to, you know, refer someone to someone else when you know a little bit about their background and, and what they're doing, what they're driving your motivational force is uh, in life. Jeffrey is uh, posting stuff in our comments section, and this is an interesting comment he made here. He says, building relationships means moving at the speed of trust and integrity. What do you think of that? Yes. That's, that's <laughs> definitely very good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's about that trust integrity. Ooh, go ahead. I, I was coaching. I was coaching a business, a client that we were coaching around business, and he had gotten uh, some offers that he wanted. You know, really, really wanted to take advantage of uh, people hiring him about something, and he was struggling with certain things. And I, I told him, you know, the most important thing you can do is build trust with these people so that they want to hire you, and you do that by telling them you're going to do something and then do it. It doesn't have to be hard, right? When they send you a message, all you have to say, they say, can you do this? Yes, I will get back to you by Friday noon and then get back to them before Friday noon. And you've already started to build trust. They say, oh, this guy said he would email me back. And he did right when he said he would. And that sounds so simple, but it's just lots of choices like that. It's lots of choices to just do what we say we're going to do. And if something happens where we can't to say, Oh, sorry, I know I told you I would do this. Um, I'm going to need to, you know, renegotiate that. It's really easy to have integrity and <laughs> to build trust. You just have to be consistent and do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> well, it's easy, but you also have to do it. I mean, I made the mistake of not sending Michael the link to this this particular show today on time. I thought I had done it, but I didn't actually do it, which wasn't exactly the best thing to do for building a relationship. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Everyone's doing the best they can. And when you recognize that you had, you know, not sent it, you sent it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, obviously you follow up and, and you don't let them slide by. But, yeah. it, but well, it's a valid point though, because very often we do let things slide. We, you know, we get into a state of mind that says, oh, geez, I screwed that one up. Maybe if I just go hide in a corner, nobody will notice or something along that line. And yeah. and I don't think we often realize just how much we're actually harming ourselves with our relationships when I when we do that. We we, we think that we're protecting ourselves, but really not. No, it's, it's always better to uh, admit that you've done something wrong and uh, make amends as best you can and, and move forward. It's, uh, it's never good to try and... Um, think it never happened or pretend it never happened. Uh, it's just, yeah. just not a good thing to do. And be willing to admit, oh, gosh, I've really made this mistake or I dropped the ball here. I'm so sorry. That in itself can build trust. 
right? True. Not that that's yeah. all you're ever doing is dropping the ball. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't want to make that like a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while that happens to me. I, I get busy and, uh, and, and, and I miss a call. Uh, and so they have to call back and, you know, um, apologize profusely uh, because it's never my intention uh, to have that happen. And, and I feel bad when it does. And I just want to let the person on the other, other end of that line know that uh, it was not intentional. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to uh, to make amends. Let's reschedule and redo it again. And most people are, are pretty good about that. And if I, I've had that happen to me as well, where sure. you know, I've showed up and they haven't because, Something came up and they just didn't have time to uh, reach out and, and let me know. So it works both ways. How to be understanding in this day and age, we've got so much going on uh, that uh, it's, it's easy for that to happen. I think. Yeah, that's true. And filling right into or fitting right into what you were just saying there, Jeffrey's bringing up a question. So I'll put up on the screen here. Can you speak about vulnerability in relationships, being honest about where you are emotionally in life and not having it be the end of it? Do you, do you want to take that? You want me to take that soon? Well, I'll, 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 let's let's hear what you have to say first, and then I'll. <laughs> yes, I've I've been taking some uh, some coaching on this, and um, through a, a networking group uh, that I'm part of, and they bring this up quite a bit that being vulnerable is is very important because it shows that you are human. Um, it shows that you can mistake. It, it makes you uh, relatable. And uh, so when you do that and you're, you're honest with yourself and honest with them, uh, then they know that you're somebody that uh, they can be trusted and relied upon. Absolutely. I, you know, when people ask me this question, and I've, I've probably talked about this before on the podcast, Jeffrey might have heard me say this before, but one <laughs> of the things I will bring up with clients is if you've ever gone to hear someone that's a public speaker that really knows how to connect with an audience that really makes you feel like, gosh, this person is speaking right to me. Mm. Uh, they often will start out telling a story that's vulnerable, telling maybe a funny story that's embarrassing or maybe, and, and you laugh and you think, oh my gosh, I could never tell this story about myself. Right. Or, but it's a story often that's true and that causes you to realize, oh wow, they are just so, they're just a regular person just like me. You know, we have them up on a pedestal or a stage, so to speak, you know, giving an address. But they really are just real people. They're just just like I am. And it's the same in one-on-one -on -one relationships is that when we can be open and vulnerable with somebody and let them know really right where we are, then they feel that they can be open and vulnerable with us. And vulnerability is what causes connection. And so yeah. it's really important. It's also very hard for a lot of people to be vulnerable because we all want to look a certain way, right? We go on social media. We want to paint the best picture of ourselves. And who wants to tell an embarrassing story about themselves or say, I feel a certain way where they think they might be judged or, you know, yeah. they think they might feel embarrassed. And yet it is the thing that allows connection almost 100% of the time. It's the place where we connect is within that vulnerable space. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think you're right that the reason most people don't do that, and I, I certainly felt the same way, and I'm still trying to work through that, is that, <laughs> uh, you know, you don't want to feel embarrassed and, and, and you're afraid people are going to judge you and think less of you, um, when you do something like that. And, and that, that's really not the case, uh, overall. So 
Yeah. It's, it's certainly yeah, a skill that you learn. It's certainly a skill you learn when you're a co- when you're a host of a podcast. Because <laughs> if you don't learn it, you actually don't get much of an audience. So you kind of have to learn it, or you know, you're kind of dead in the water. <laughs> it's important, yeah. but it yeah. takes a while. It takes practice to do it. I mean, it's not something I was able to do right out of the gate. It took me a number of years to kind of learn to open up. And and I got to tell you, Michael, one of the big benefits that I had was that I had people like Cindy as my, my co-host. I've had a number of co-hosts who are life coaches and therapists and so forth. If, if you want to learn how to open up as a host, that's probably the best way to do it. Have co-hosts who have all this training that you can lean upon and get better while you're doing it live on the show. <laughs> well, you know, people, people will, we build up walls metaphorically, but we build walls to protect ourselves. So mm. we get in a place where we don't want to share because of just what we just said. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be embarrassed. And we do it to protect ourselves. And I remember a time I, I've told this story before, but it was, it was funny because I had been in a relationship and gone through a, a really nasty divorce. And I was really good at protecting myself and not letting my guard down, so to speak. And just, uh, you know, going through life that way. And then I met the man that I'm married to now and we were having such a wonderful time and I was feeling very, very happy and also very vulnerable. And we got in a little argument over something that was, I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't anything. And when I got home, I felt so wounded about it. And he was wonderful. Like he, when he recognized that whatever he said, you know, wasn't uh, going well with me, he remedied it right away. And he was wonderful. And when I got home, I thought to myself, why do I still feel hurt about this? Because it wasn't anything. And it really wasn't anything. And yeah. now, you know, 10 years later, I can't even remember what it was. It was so not. Right. And I still remember standing in my closet. I was hanging up a sweater and I thought to myself, I don't think I can do this relationship stuff, which is not a good thing to be saying to yourself when you're a relationship coach. That's right. I, I was like, oh, this is awful. Like, I, how I can't, maybe I just can't do this. Like maybe I can't do it. If something that tiny is going to just wound me this bad, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. And then all of a sudden, it was so clear to me that the same openness that was allowing me to feel so much love and to have so much fun and to feel so happy and all those good things was also the openness that was allowing me to feel a little hurt over something and that it was okay. And that is that you can't have one without the other. You know, Brene Brown in her very famous TED Talk on uh, vulnerability, if you haven't heard it, it's fantastic. Um, it has millions of views. She talks about people numbing themselves out, whether it's with a beer or banana bread or whatever, right? And that they want to numb out those bad feelings, but they want to yep. still be happy and you can't because what happens is you numb everything out. If you're going to numb out with food or drugs or alcohol or, or whatever, video games, whatever you're choosing, right. To numb yourself out. So that was my aha moment that, you know what? Sometimes you feel hurt in life. <laughs> it's like, well, welcome to earth, you know, That's um, right. but if you also want to feel all the good stuff, then that's where that openness is going to benefit you. And so it's not always easy to be vulnerable, but it's always worth it. Right. And that, that, that highlights the, the, uh, the contrast. Uh, like you said, you said 
to feel happy, you have to feel sad. Mm. Uh, to, to have day, you have to have night. Yeah, um, you have to be willing to have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It, it, to win a game, you have to lose, be able to have the opportunity to lose that game. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what fun would it be if you could, every, each team could run down and score? You know, and there was no yeah. winner. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. To make it <laughs> meaningful, j- just like being successful. To be successful, you have to go through a lot of failures because without the failures, the success doesn't mean anything. I mean, everybody could do it, right? So that's, that's the, either the beauty or the condom of, of life, you know, for, for, for every action is a reaction, like they say, but for, for something to have meaning, there's usually an opposite effect to that as well. And we have to learn to accept that, that, uh, like you said, Cindy, that's, that's a part of life. It, it's what makes the happiness happier, uh, is, is the bad times, I guess. I love the idea of that. This is what gives something meaning is that we had the potential or the experience of having the opposite of it. We had the potential, you know, I, I'm so happy and feel so great that I'm healthy right now because I have been through a period of time where I had a health crisis and this feels so much better <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a lot more meaningful in that context. So yeah, yes. absolutely. I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I just talked about this with somebody this morning. I was coaching somebody and we got on that topic about the equal and opposite. You know, it's like, I'm not of the belief but then again, I don't believe in too much. I just like to entertain possibilities. And I don't, yeah, true. The, the idea that there has to be something bad for there to be something good. I remember somebody in my life that always used to say, well, you have to take the good with the bad. And I understand what they were saying. And yet I still don't think that for every single good thing in my life, I'm going to have to go through something horrible, right? To get there. Uh, but I do think that it's all just part of our learning experience and, you know, there, there, it's going to happen. We're going to have days that aren't as great as other days, but that what, that's what makes those other days feel so great. So sure, it's not like you have to have 25 things go wrong in order to appreciate, you know, the right. other 25 things that go right. You know, if you if it go, have it go wrong once, you got it. It's you, all right. Okay. Unless you just ignored it entirely, you got the lesson. It's, it, it just got through. And so now you can have, you know, as many times as you want that work out well and that you celebrate because you appreciate it. There's a that's very the famous. Part. A famous Buddhist nun named Pema Chodron who says, you know, a thing never goes away until you've learned what you're supposed to learn from it. Mm. And mm-hmm. I do in, in my coaching practice, I experience this all the time where people will recognize a pattern. And I had someone say to me today, sent me a message and said, Oh, I keep, I recognize I'm doing this. It's like, I hope this pattern doesn't last long. And I said, well, recognizing the pattern is the first step to breaking the pattern. Right. right. So once we've learned that thing, then we can sometimes just consciously say, Oh, I know this. I'm done with this now. I don't have to keep going around and around the wheel. That's good. Yeah, and that's, and that's one thing I think that's, that's not taught. You know, we're, we're, we're taught in school that failure is bad, but actually failure is a good thing. As long as you mm-hmm. learn from that failure. Yes. Uh, if exactly. you don't learn anything from it. And then you're just going to repeat whatever that failure is again and again. But failure is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to take as a learning lesson to help move you forward 
uh, to become better in whatever you're doing. I saw an interview yeah. with the, um, I can't think of her name right now, but the, it's a, a, the woman that uh, started the company Spanx. And I believe, oh, she's okay. a, I believe she's a self-made billionaire, very, very young self-made billionaire. Yeah. She was telling a story in the interview that when she was a kid, when she would come home from school, when they would be around the dinner table, that her father, and you know, when my kids were around the dinner table, I would always say, so what'd you learn? Tell me one thing you learned today. Tell me a good thing that happened today. But he would say to them, tell me where you failed today. Mm. And she said it was almost like they would all celebrate. He was like, oh, I, I tried this new thing and I completely was terrible at it. Everybody would be like, yay, around the dinner table. Good for you. So she said, I never grew up with a fear of failure. I grew up with it being celebrated. Like, what'd you fail at today? Because if you failed at something, it means you tried something. And I thought, wow, that was pretty amazing because look where she is today. <laughs> She's yeah, like right. successful. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and that's usually what keeps uh, people from being successful, no matter what area they go into is a fear of failure. Uh, and if you have that fear, it's going to hold you back to the point that you never will be successful. So you have to get, like you say, get out of your comfort zone um, and go ahead and fail. You know, take take it, learn from it, and uh, get better. One of my uh, business coaches a long time ago used to say that all the time. He used to say, fail fast. Just go ahead. <laughs> right? And I've kind of translated that over and have taught that to some of my clients that are looking for a relationship or wanting to fix a relationship. Why? Because I, I tried to fix a relationship that wasn't working for way too long because I didn't want it to fail. The truth was it already had failed, <laughs> right? It wasn't working. And so the best thing that ever happened to me was finally being okay with that. And it's not an easy thing to be okay with. I can think but, of somebody well, else who, who's wealthy who, who embraces the, the same philosophy. Elon Musk, that's one of his big things with the SpaceX program, is he was urging his engineers, fail quickly. Do Make exactly. a lot of failures fast. Don't do it the yeah. NASA way where you try to get everything perfect right out of the gate. Make lots yeah. and lots of mistakes because we'll get there faster. And boy, oh boy, have they gotten there fast. They're really yeah. climbing. Yeah. 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 really something. Well, yeah. you know, I think the something that you just said that I want to make a distinction about, and that is that if we realize there are no mistakes and we are okay with failing, that's, that is the equation right there. So not mm -hmm. looking like if everything that happened in, that has happened in my past and that I've experienced, you know, I've just, I just said on the show a minute ago, I went through a painful divorce. I don't regret it. I don't look at it as a mistake because I don't mm. believe there are any mistakes. There's just human experience. So mm. that gives me the freedom to fail easier because I'm not seeing a failure as a mistake. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. But, and, and two, in relationships, it takes, it takes two. Yes. Um, which is not necessarily the case in a lot of other learning experiences and where you can change and you can try if the other person is it meeting you halfway? There's absolutely no way uh, that that's, that's going to work. Absolutely. And here we are on this podcast that deals with law of attraction. And this is an area that I hear a lot. And Walt and I have talked about this a lot. And we've had oh, yeah. callers and we've had letters and we've had people show up to the podcast because they're in a relationship that's not working. And they want to know what they can do 
because they're like, well, if I'm the one that creates everything, then how do I create a better relationship? And that's really tricky when you're talking about relationship because mm. there is another person involved. That's right. Like yeah. you said, Michael, you know, one person can be willing to do anything. One person can be willing to change and to grow. And But if the other person doesn't want to play ball, it it's not going to change. And right. so I often have asked people, um, I say, if I had a crystal ball, and I do actually, if I had a crystal <laughs> ball and it always told the truth and I was able to look into that crystal ball and tell you absolutely that the person you're with right now, that this is who they are and this is who they're always going to be mm-hmm. on a scale of one to 10, how willing are you to stay in the relationship? Because so many times they're banking on Something I'm going to do is going to cause this person to change, to fall in love with me, to behave the way I want, to treat me the way I deserve, whatever, fill in the blank. And they're spending lots and lots of time and energy trying to fix something when the other person's not. I know I lived this experience. And so that is why uh, I see it really clearly when it's happening. And you're right. That's not always the case in a business, especially if you're an entrepreneur. You know, you, you make all the decisions, you call all the shots, you can make the changes. But it's not always the same in a, you know, personal relationship. That's very true. Speaking of which, actually, we have a question that uh, got asked from the audience. I'll put up on the screen from Susie. And it <laughs> kind of ties indirectly to what we're talking about here because this pops up in business. It pops up in interpersonal relationships, uh, primary relationships. It's, it's all over the place. Can you address relationships with passive aggressive people? Because she says that's the hardest one for her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you won't like this first part, Susie, but the first part is, um, I apply this to myself as well. And that is anytime I'm dealing with anything, I try to re- remember that the universe is just a big mirror mirroring back to me uh, what's going on inside myself. So I always ask myself, number one, am I am I having any kind of passive aggressive behavior? And number two, am I treating myself the way this person treats me, uh, which is a really deep way to look at it. But on the the other side of that is just boundary issues and being unwilling to tolerate certain behavior, passive aggressive behavior being one of them. Um, We get what we tolerate. And a lot of times it's it's just a matter of deciding, you know, that the easiest, simplest way to explain a boundary is just that it's it's letting someone know what's okay and what's not okay. And so sometimes it's just a matter of us saying, this is not okay. This behavior is not okay with me. Um, I don't know. I'm, it, it's a really interesting conversation that could be talked about forever, but I'm curious what Michael has to say about dealing with passive aggressive people. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the spot, Michael. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. You, you put me on a spot in an area that I'm, I'm not really familiar with because I'm probably one of those passive aggressive people, but, uh, <laughs> I don't get that but, sense very much actually, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let you off the hook on that one. I think. <laughs> well, actually, uh, you know, it's again, we go back to relationships. Um, if, if you're willing to treat people the way you're being treated mm-hmm. or you, what you, the way you want to be treated um, and you honestly look at yourself and you're doing that, um, and you're not getting that from the other person. 
um, then just like Cindy says, it's time to evaluate whether or not that person has the ability or the desire to change. Um, and if they don't, then it's time to move on and take yourself out of a situation that's uh, probably very uncomfortable uh, and not very tenable for you. You know, that word gets used a lot, though, and it's important to know what it actually is, right? Because yes. passive aggressive is someone uh, not taking action. It's someone who's passive. They're not doing something. And because maybe they know that bothers you if they just don't do the thing. Um, and sometimes it's really important also to check in with the amount of empathy that we have. Like, why are they doing this? What's really going on with them? Um, why, what do they need that's causing them to have this kind of behavior? Because it, it's a strategy, right? It's like, it is. it's a strategy. So very simply, when all of our needs are met and we have lots of human needs and some of them are basic, like we need food and we need water and air and sleep and shelter. But we have deeper human needs, like we have need for connection. We have need to be seen and heard. We have a need for contribution. And when our needs are met, we have emotions and feelings that feel good. They're good. They feel good. When we're, when our needs are not met, we have uncomfortable feelings and emotions and maybe even pain. And most of the time, we're going through life just trying to get our needs met. And oftentimes, we don't know how, so we use strategies that cause more pain to other people or to ourselves, and they're not useful. But if we knew how to get our needs met in a healthier way, we would. So there's that part of it, too. It's like, what is the relationship with the passive-aggressive person, right? Mm -hmm. Are you a a business owner and they're a client? Um, are you a shopkeeper and they're just a customer that's come in that's, or, or is it a personal relationship where, where you're living with the person, where they're an integral part of your life and you want to, you know, change this? All of those things are going to make a difference in how you behave and in what boundaries you create and, you know, how you address it. I think you also deserve some credit, Susie, that you are apparently recognizing the ones who are passive aggressive because that's not always easy to do. That's mm-hmm. part of the passive aggressive strategy is to basically stir things up behind the scenes so that other people look like they're the ones who are instigating when in fact you're the one who's doing the instigating. You're, you're setting up a scenario where you're, you, the, the passive aggressive person is basically hoping that other people will do the, the dirty deed that they don't want to have to do themselves so they can sit back and enjoy the fact that that dirty deed was done and they don't get, get caught in the process. Well, if you're recognizing that the person's doing that, Pat yourself on the back. That's not an easy person to spot. But when you do spot him or her, now you know, well, first of all, do I want to deal with this person? Second of all, you know the importance of setting the boundaries if you don't want to deal with them or if you want to deal with them on a more limited basis. And third, you get to decide how much attention do I want to give to that person? That's really, I mean, what's what's the whole basis of conscious creation, of, of being a law of attraction person? It's about choosing what you're going to give your attention to. So once you've identified the passive aggressive person, then you have a really easy choice. Do you give attention to them? If you do, you're going to get more uh, response from them. If you don't, guess what happens? They tend to go away. That's true. And yet there are instances where you're, you know, maybe married to the person. Well, that, yeah, now that's a different scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to clarify what I was saying before about 
things being a mirror and something that Michael said about, you know, if you treat people well, you know, I was raised with this idea, right? You reap what you sow. If you're good to people, they'll be good to you. If you're, if you put goodness out into the world, it will come back to you. And do, do I think that's true? In a lot of cases, I think that's true. And I also think that often the thing that's coming back to you is a reflection of your own relationship with yourself. And I'll tell you why I think that. Because there was a time when I was in the relationship I mentioned where I was very, very keen on being good to everyone. And I was not being treated well. And I kept thinking, wait a minute, this isn't what I believe, right? I've always been taught if I'm good to everybody, they'll be good to me. And what I was really being was a doormat, right? And I thought, why am I being treated this way when I'm so good to everybody? When I put everybody else first, that's a key. So remember that. Um, I'm putting everyone else first. I'm doing good for everyone. And it's just not coming back to me. And then I realized the thing that I wasn't giving to myself was respect because I never would have allowed my little dog to be treated the way I was allowing myself to be treated. I never would have allowed my little child to be treated the way I was allowing myself to be treated. And that's where the boundaries come in because I was allowing myself to be treated that way. showed me I had no respect for myself at that time. And when I realized it and put that together, I got respect for myself really quickly. And I changed my behavior by saying, this doesn't work. This isn't acceptable. This isn't how we treat me. (laughs) And like you said earlier, that's when you noticed and and came to terms with the fact that it wasn't that you were trying to save the relationship to keep it from breaking. You were recognizing it was already broken. You recognized. That's when I, well, it was when I started um, putting boundaries into place. And when I started being verbal about um, this isn't okay with me, like to treat me this way isn't okay. That's when I realized how broken it was because the other party didn't care. That's right. Yeah. That I was hurting, that, that I didn't accept this behavior. Um, there was, you know, whenever you create boundaries, it's like you put a fence around a playground. There's always going to be that one kid that goes and plays right by the fence and there's going to be another yes. kid over the fence, right? So it's like not everybody respects boundaries. We want mm-hmm. them to, but we never put boundaries in place to change someone else's behavior. Right. We put boundaries in place to give us the experience we want. And I didn't want to be treated that way. And the marriage fell apart after that. Why? Well, because the other party did not want to change, didn't want to honor my boundaries. I was willing to honor other people's boundaries. So that's what I talk about. How are you treating yourself? And sometimes it takes a little bit of figuring out to be like, okay, this person's doing this. They're being passive aggressive. Do I treat myself that way? It's not, do I treat them that way? It's do I treat myself that way? And is right. this just a mirror? And you may or may not, right? I'm, I'm not saying if someone's being passive aggressive with you, then that means anything about you. I don't know you. Um, but it's just a good place to start some inquiry because if you can find it and see it, it's like the universe is a mirror and not one of these little mirrors. It's like one of those mirrors, yes. like a brickstone store that like magnifies you 15 times. You look at it and get, ah, it's like, I don't want to see. Oh my gosh. Every little imperfection. <laughs> blown up that's the kind of mirror it is it is it's kind of disconcerting at times right so when you look in a mirror and your lipstick is smeared you know you don't smash the mirror go buy another mirror you just fix (laughs) the lipstick so it's like when the universe shows you something like this 
it's actually a really fantastic thing because then you can change it within yourself and that shifts everything else. So best wishes with your passive aggressive person. <laughs> well, it also, I mean, we were talking specifically here about a primary relationship and what you ended up doing was, was recognizing not only that that relationship had pretty much run its course, but it was time for you to move on with your life. And so you took steps to do that. We do the same thing in business though. I mean, uh, Michael, Louise and I have a, uh, my, my wife Louise and I have a uh, gardening services business and we have a regular policy of firing customers who don't meet our standards. And that includes passive aggressive customers. So if we get a customer who comes along and the, the way it usually pay, plays out for somebody who's engaging in a gardening service is it's a person who has trouble making up their mind. You know, oh, I really want you to come in and, and make my yard beautiful and make my gardens beautiful. Uh, but when you ask me questions about what colors I like in gardens, I can't really tell you. And when you ask me, do I like, you know, perennials rather than annuals? I don't really have a preference there. And then when you come in and you actually plant some annuals, then I complain to you because I really wanted the perennials. That's the, that's the kind of customer that we say goodbye to. We don't want that customer anymore. We fired, I, last year I fired two customers. It was actually a slow year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there have been years where I fired a lot of customers. You know but that the- when you don't fire them, you're telling you're sending out this signal right to the universe that 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 you're okay with that kind of customer, right. and you exactly. may have like a whole bunch more of them. And it's like, no, so I, I'm with you on that one. And, yeah. and it paid off because I mean, well, we all know last year, the past. 12 months has been a COVID 12 months and it definitely affected the gardening business. We had maybe half the business that we normally do, but we have a great staff. We had basically rooted out all of the bad customers. All of our customers were customers who loved us. It was the smoothest year we've ever had on record. We actually made good money last year, despite the fact that our business was cut in half simply because we didn't have to spend a whole lot of time and money dealing with crappy customers. It, it costs money. It's not just that it costs time and, and stress. It actually costs money when you deal with customers like that. And we didn't have to do that. So we made out just fine in a down year because of that. Just saying. What about you, Michael? <laughs> what, what's your idea about firing clients? <laughs> it's an unusual concept. <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm in an area where uh, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> If uh, if they don't like the service, they they just stop subscribing to the membership. So uh, okay, <laughs> they, they you, to, right? <laughs> weed, weed themselves out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, well, it works that way too, actually. Right. If, in fact, uh, we found that particularly with employees, the employees who don't really meet our standards, we rarely have to fire them. They're usually gone in a week, just because we hold firm to our standards, and they don't like it, and so they're gone. You know, so they, they like you say, they they kind of sort themselves out. Occasionally, every once in a while, we have to let somebody go deliberately, and it's not always a pretty sight, but most of the time, they just kind of go away. They disappear. That's what happens with boundaries, Mm. right? Like when you put a boundary into effect, usually one of two things happens. Either the person says, oh, okay, right? fine. I didn't know that bothered you. I will stop doing that. Or I, I love you. And I want to, you know, or I care about you. And I want to, uh, I want us to have a good relationship. You don't like this. So I won't do that. The other, the other option is they say, bye bye now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because if you keep the boundary strong, some people say they set a boundary and then they just don't keep it strong. Mm-hmm. Right. If you build a fence around your place and then you open the gate wide and leave it open, and you have a sign, don't come in, but people come in all the time and you don't do anything about it, then it's not. You're, a- 
you're, um, well, you're basically inviting them regardless of what the sign says. You're just saying, no, well, come on in anyway. <laughs> I mean, that actually does happen. It happens a lot. Oh, yeah. When you hear uh, parents threatening their children with, if you do this again, this is going to be the consequence, but they do it again, and there's never any consequence. You know, we, it probably happens in all of our lives to some degree, right? We say, oh, I know the sign says that, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so that's that's the same with any boundary, business or personal. It's, it's up to you to make sure that your boundaries are strong. You'll deal with less passive aggressiveness and all that's kinds right. of other, you know, misbehavior. Mm-hmm. You keep your boundaries strong. Yeah, you have to you have to be willing to enforce your uh, your regulations or your like you say your boundaries or um, your rules, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Now Jeffrey has another question for us. He says, "I would ask about and explore triggers, find out why they are feeling aggressive." Actually, it's not so much a question; it's more of a piece of advice he's he's putting out there. Yeah. But the, the concept of triggers that's that that's worth exploring for a couple of minutes because we get easily triggered, and I think that's where a lot of our responses really come from for being triggered. So. Yeah. Well, if, if you, if you are triggered by something, then you're wounded. There's mm-hmm. a, a wound there. And that's how you know you've healed up a place is that you don't have an emotional charge about it anymore. Yeah. If you ever, you know, I remember asking somebody something, they said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm over it. But they were like telling me the story and they were gritting their teeth. They're like, no, I've, I'm let go of it. You know, it's like, I don't think they've let go of it. But when you can tell the story, right. And, it's like, uh, it's like, I, I don't feel triggered anymore. I, I never thought I could help women that were in abusive relationships because I thought I would just be triggered all the time, but I'm not triggered anymore because I've healed up that part of me. So I think that if someone is, sometimes people are passive aggressive, you know, it may, it may be, they may be triggered about something. If they're triggered, that's why I said, check in with, with the empathy there as well. What are they needing? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people are even lash out, which isn't passive aggressive. It's just flat out aggressive, Right. but they lash out because they're hurting. You know, there's a, there's a saying hurt people, hurt people. Mm. And yeah, I think that's really true. And then the, the flip side of that is it's not your responsibility to heal everyone and fix everyone. Um, oh. I, it's, it's something I've been teaching for a little while. And it's a hard thing to talk about, but it's like you, you, no one, no one has to accept abusive behavior, even if it's from a family member, even if it's from someone who has a mental health issue, even if it's from someone who's in a lot of pain, um, we still don't have to just accept abusive behavior. So there's a lot of fine lines here, but if someone's triggered, it's because they're in pain and that may help you in some aspect to be able to not take whatever they're dishing out, not take it so personally. Mm-hmm. Yep. It still doesn't mean that you have to take it at all. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, and, and, there's and, actually, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. No, I was going to say that uh, there's been a lot of um, other motivators of coaches, coaches that have talked on this. And uh, Jim Rohn says it's uh it's the set of the sails. It's your attitude on how you accept what is going on because the same wind blows on us all. Mm. So uh, we can all experience the same, um, same misfortune, but how are you going to react to that? What's your attitude to that? Uh, will determine pretty much um, the outcome 
of that situation. And it could be a better outcome if your attitude uh, was better or if you looked at it in a different light. But it's a, always, I always try and keep that in mind <laughs> when I start getting upset over things, you know. Yeah, perspective uh, is what, what can I do better? You know, yeah. How can I handle this better? It's it's interesting to be in a situation where you're in a group of people and they're all reacting to something, mm. and they're all reacting differently. Yes, right? some <laughs> right. people it's not bothering them at all. Other people they're really upset. Right? Other people are taking it personally. Mm-hmm. It's like it's funny to see that, and you think, but the same thing just happened. Yeah. Everyone yeah. just is experiencing the same thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Our attitude is, you know, up to us and it changes everything. It does. Yeah. Now, there's something else I want to bring in here in the last uh, nine or 10 minutes that we have here on the show. And that is a, a concept that I've been exploring quite a bit with uh, both Cindy and other uh, co-hosts here on the show over the last couple months, three months. Uh, Michael, I have a, a sort of a theory that I've been espousing that says, Anytime someone is, is struggling in life with anything, no matter what it might be, it means that there are two factors that they need to build up on. One is building up on their self-love, their self-esteem, and the other is the depth and breadth of their social connections. And I want to talk about that second piece uh, a little bit more in the context of what we're talking about here, because I really believe that social connectedness is, is, is critically important. In fact, um, the positive psychologists in the surveys and studies they've done have demonstrated, yes, it is actually, there's a very high degree of correlation between social connectedness and the successes that people have in life. In fact, um, I believe that the studies that Sean Aker, who's one of the positive psychologists, was citing said that uh, there was a 0.7 factor, meaning that it is 70% predictive of success in any given person to look at, you know, what, what their social connectedness is, which is pretty high. I mean, uh, he pointed out by contrast that the, uh, the degree of correlation between smoking cigarettes and getting cancer is 0.44. So it's almost twice that correlation shows just how strong um, the positive psychologists feel it is. But let's just look at it from the perspective of running a business. Cause I mean, all three of us are business people here. Michael, in your business, when you are, are building relationships, to what degree are you focused on the, the social connectedness aspect as you're building relationships, trying to expand both the depth and the breadth of your social connections? Well, in, in my business and building my business, uh, I don't think I really focus it on it that much. Mm-hmm. However, personally, in my personal circle, um, I'm being coached now that um, I am the average of the five or seven closest people that I spend the most time with. Mm. So in that area, I need to look at, do they have the same goals that I have? Uh, do they aspire uh, to the same uh, standards that I do? Um, do they have the uh, economic range that um, that I want to? Um, and um, um, been teaching, uh, been uh, taking some mentorship from Eric Worre, who is uh, big in network marketing. And he says that when you list those friends and their economic, their average of their um, economic, what do I say, the, the average of their annual income, um, you want to be at the bottom so that you can move up. Because mm-hmm. if you're at the top, they're going to pull you down to the middle. So in, in that area, if you want to move up and if you want to be successful, then 
in your private circle, you need to be with people who aren't where you are yet, but where you strive to be, because they will help you and lift you up uh, to be with them. Um, but if you're at the top, those people are going to pull you down and you're not going to reach uh, the goal that you want to uh, you, you have. Or to put it another way, you're going to be doing the lifting rather than them doing exactly. the lifting. <laughs> <laughs> It's all of the perspective, folks. <laughs> that perspective, though, is really critical because, and this is why I think it's important to look at from the perspective of the business relationship, too. I, I think what you just said actually applies to business relationships beautifully. I mean, I know you were describing it in terms of personal relationships, but I think the same thing is true in business relationships. In fact, going back to the illustration of, of the business that Louise and I run, the, the gardening services business, the customers we want to spend most of our time with are the big customers, partly because they're the big customers. That's where the money is coming from. But partly because when we spend time with them, first of all, they're the happy customers. They're the ones that are easy. It's always the smallest customers who are the most difficult customers. They're the ones who are the most demanding. They need the most attention. They, they soak up the most time, the most energy. The big customers, they're easy. They're like, oh, we're loving what you're doing. Can you please do more? You are going to come back next year, right? I mean, it's, it's that kind of a, of a customer mentality. So we love hanging out with them in part because, well, first of all, they're great to hang out with. And second of all, the more we hang out with them, the more customers we get like that, which is, hey, that's what it's all about, getting the kind of customer yeah. that you really want. So I, I think it actually applies in both areas, both personal and business. Yeah, yeah and I think we have to look at that idea uh, at a in a broader scope in a deeper way than just money. Right. It's, it's, uh, I, if I'm the average of the five people that I hang around with most, how loving are they? How compassionate are they? How much faith do they have? How ready are they to help someone else? Um, what are their values? Um, those are the things that are important to me. Um, I can't just go by everybody's tax form, right? And be like, well, I want to make sure that the other four people I'm hanging out with all make more money than I can, um, so that I can be pulled up to their level. That may be true. Um, and it may be part of the equation, but if your values are that you want to see more, um, you know, equality in the world, that you want to see uh, the world be a better place, then you have to look at those things too and say, what kind of people am I hanging out with? What do they care about? And um, I think, I think that we need to make sure that we put that in the mix. Oh yeah, actually. And, and, and I think I, I, I hope that that's what I hit on when I, when I mentioned that is I started out, you know, do they have the same values that you do or do they have the same goals? Um, are they headed in the same direction that you want to be headed? Um, and again, if, if, if they're not, there's, there's no way that you're going to make it to, to where you want to go. And yeah. I, that's why, you know, it's like values, knowing your own values, which that sounds crazy. Like, of course I know my values, but a lot of people have never even thought about that. And so knowing what your values are <laughs> is like the very beginning steps of that. Right. And then recognizing those values, because just like needs going met and unmet, um, if we're honoring our values, we're going to be much happier and more successful. Right. So if we honor our values, but if we're not honoring our values and sometimes that happens in a way where people don't really even understand. They just feel miserable and they don't realize that it's because they have certain values that never get honored. Uh, so it's a, it's a good thing to, to know about yourself is 
maybe there's these websites. Don't go to any of these things that are like values. And then they show you like 10,000 different words. It's like, no, just, (laughs) just recognize what you care about. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. And in fact, uh, as you guys are describing that, it occurred to me, Cindy and I have talked about this quite a bit in past episodes. When you look at people who have a lot of money, it's, it's amazing how many people who have a lot of money have lousy relationships and lousy health. There are some people with a lot of money who have good relationships and good health. It's, but it's just fascinating how many basically got to the top by burning themselves out, burning out their relationships, burning out their health. And then they got there and like, well, the money doesn't do them a whole lot of good because the relationships and health aren't there. So, I mean, that's that's like the real world um, result of what happens when you don't pay attention to what your values are. And there's also this cliche belief, right, that says you can't have it all. Yeah. Which is not true. Like whatever it all is to you, you can have that. But some people feel guilty. Like they feel guilty. Like their relationship is so fantastic and all these things in their life. And it wouldn't be, they have this background belief system. It's like, well, it wouldn't be fair for me to also have a lot of money or the other way around. Like they have a ton Mm -hmm. of money and they're like, well, I've heard people say this, like, well, it's got to give somewhere, you know, you can't have it all. Right. Yeah. I've heard that too. I realized that I'm a multimillionaire and that my relationships all suck, but you know what? Something's got to give and you can't have it all. And it's like, Ooh, it's like, (laughs) it's not true. You don't have to give, you know, you don't have to give up an entire area of happiness in your life to have the other thing. So, and instead of either or. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm fortunate uh, enough that uh, in the uh, area that I work in, that uh, I am mentored and know a lot of people who do make a lot of money and are very happy and very healthy and very giving. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very helping, not only of um, people that they are associated with, uh, but also within the community as well, because um, what God gives the most to, he also expects the most of. So I'm, I'm always of the theory that uh, the, the more God gives me, the more I, I, I have a chance of giving away. And that's that I think is a good thing because uh, I can't help people if I'm poor. But uh, if, if God blesses me, then I can help a lot more people. Right. <laughs> that's it. This has been a great conversation. I just wish we hadn't run out of time. But uh, before we lose you, Michael, we want, we always like to give people the opportunity to uh, find out how they can reach out to you in case they're interested in your legal services or your, your small business advisory services. So tell people how to reach out to you. Yeah, you can uh, reach out to me uh, through uh, th- through link- LinkedIn, um, through there, uh, LinkedIn slash IN slash Michael G. Leonard one. Um or you can uh, reach me through um, uh, email, uh, mgleonard, L-E-O-N-A-R-D, 219, at gmail.com. Or you can uh, just uh, give me a call or a text, 518-944-8020. The old-fashioned way. Speak you. The old-fashioned <laughs> way. <laughs> I love it. And, of course, Cindy Chavez, she's always reachable through her website, cindychavez.com, and through the LOA Today app, which is a great way to uh, yes. reach out to, take advantage. Uh, we're, we're appreciating the people who are participating in the live stream since we started playing with StreamYard, but uh, we also like the emails, too. So, you know, use the app to send in the email, too, and be a part of the conversation. Okay. So, Michael, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a great Thank you, Walt. It's been a yeah, pleasure. Cindy, Walt, yes.
And Cindy, of course, we'll see you next week. Hopefully Monique will be back and uh, in good health and we'll carry on with the next conversation. But in the meantime, thank you to all of our podcast listeners everywhere. Without you, we would not have a podcast. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.